0: Hi, my name is Jason Bartram. I'm an associate partner with Servian New Zealand. Welcome to the Technology Whisperers, a technology and innovation podcast brought to you by Servian with your hosts Alistair Ross and Sean Muller. Join us as we demystify the latest emerging innovative technologies for businesses of all shapes and sizes, sharing our thoughts on how you can improve your current technologies, practices and processes to transform your business.
1: You are listening to the Technology Whisperers podcast with me, Alistair Ross, and your co-host Sean Muller. Sean, it's great to have you. Another podcast. Do you know this is the third podcast already? And it's not even it's not even end of January already. It feels like no time at all. And we're really bashing them out. And I'm I'm super happy about that.
0: Yeah, me me too. I think us getting ahead of the game on this is as, it, as we go into the year we're going to get more and more busy it's going to become more and more difficult so the more we can get the the episodes recorded a little bit ahead of time i don't want to record and then do it 6 months later but it would be good to have a couple of weeks of leeway time before we release the next episode yep
1: yeah and 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 the uh, i've been looking at the the list of the agenda of the podcasts that we've got lined up for the rest of the year and they are Fantastic! They're looking stellar. I must yeah. say, I'm really excited about the rest. So today, um, our podcast is going to be on the topic of security, which is a topic which is both near and dear to both of our hearts. Sort of worked in cybersecurity in various different ways over the last fifteen years, maybe in 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 different guises. But I've always always had a you know hashing for cybersecurity, mainly from the technology side. But then a little bit more recently on the governance side. So in the last five to six years, I was acting CISO in my last. So I I certainly have, you know, both sides of the business view firmly in in my target sites on on security. But certainly always been interested, even when I was I was doing nefarious things (laughs) myself, just just to figure out, you know, what 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 would what would happen if I did this, you know. Never, never, never did anything naughty, but I, I certainly figured out uh, how I could do those things if I wanted to. And I think from that moment on, I was captivated by cybersecurity. Back then, in the the 90s and early noughties, you know, the security of systems just was nowhere near how good it is here today in in the world. You know, we were all starting out, it was all the Wild West. But surprisingly, I would say that cybersecurity in general, but very much so in here in new zealand still behind we're still way way behind where we need to be there's a lot of advancements that we need to get to and we'll talk about that in a minute i'm sure but you know it's yeah. really I, I think you know there's a lot of you know this this technology podcast is all about demystifying stuff and there is a lot of fud in in this industry well, right there's a lot of noise yeah I, and i
0: I think you are look uh, let's be blunt there's been a massive under investment in security pretty much worldwide just as much here in New Zealand as it anywhere else but I think you kind of hit uh, and and it really plays to this podcast and what we're trying to do I think there's a massive misunderstanding about security and risk assessment and risk mitigation and you know how ha- how we can you know between the business side and the technology side there's almost a draconian approach Sometimes from the technology side of, well, there's only one way to do it. And you have to do, you have to spend all of the money. You have to do all the massive work to be able to do security. And from the business side, there's almost a, because there's a lack of understanding of what the real risk is and what the real cost to mitigate the risk is, there's almost this, we'd rather put the ambulance at the bottom of the hill, or we'd rather buy insurance than spend money on security. And I think if we can do nothing else with this podcast, if we can start to demystify that language in a way that provides a better communication path between them, I think it would be massively powerful.
1: Yeah, I I totally agree, 100%. And I think the only thing I would add to that is that I've, you know, had the, the fortunacy to deal with CIOs and CEOs in the past with regards to cybersecurity. And I started out, you know, giving the the usual sort of drill saying, oh, we need to do this, we need to be compliant in this area and blah, blah, blah. And you could see very quickly the eyes glaze over. And yeah. I thought, I wonder why the eyes are glazing over. And I, it took me a while to figure it all out. And and it's because, you know, to a certain extent, you know, security isn't sexy. And it's kind of boring. But actually, it's not. Yeah. It's it, it, it. It's not boring at all. It's just that when you're seeing it from that purely compliance and risk avoidance angle, it's very boring. It seems very mundane, but it's not. It's not at yeah, all. And, and yeah, what is it? What you saying? And and that well, and the value they they don't see the value in it. I,
0: it it's interesting. I, I like using the insurance analogy, right? So, in, if you're a business person, insurance is not sexy but but you have to buy it. you have to have insurance you have to have contents insurance and business insurance and you know there's financial insurance you have but the business people don't like talking about it but they know they have to have it and they know the value of having insurance and the risk in not having insurance i think the same is true of security except they don't see the value in security all they see is to your point is the risk approach to it and i, th- I think there's there's some huge challenges in that and i I'm hoping we're going to we're going to tackle some of that language to help make better.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Obviously we only have so much time on this podcast, but I would certainly uh, love to have more of these conversations, you know, and and you know, if, if if anyone wants to hit you or I up after this podcast, then of course the the usual the usual methods apply. Now, in this podcast, we were going to take a little, slightly different approach, a little deviation on the way that we kind of structure this. So, rather than have a sort of a conversation, a two way conversation like we usually do, this way, I think today we were gonna we we're gonna mix it up a little bit. Sean, do you wanna do you wanna tell us how we're gonna we're gonna do that?
0: Yeah. So, I mean, Alistair and I brainstormed over probably the last two weeks between the two of us, we have close to 50 years of experience in IT and dealing with the business side as well as the technology side. And so what we've done is we've started to put together uh, kind of conversational touch points or questions that the business or a CIO or a CEO might be asking or might not understand or might not know who to go ask to. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to kind of Replay those conversations that I've had from the business perspective and give Alistair and his years of experience in security the opportunity to, to, to kind of educate me as to what these things are and, and the, what the value is to get out of them. And I'm, we're hoping by having that kind of question and answer from a business to technical or business to outcome kind of conversation, it'll make it a little bit easier to understand and a little bit more for anybody that listens to the podcast.
1: Yeah, so you're basically going to uh, be speaking to me as if you're um, sort of a manager of um, an IT company or something like that, and you've got some questions. Some people might be coming to to you for answers, and you need to you need to be able to provide the answers back to the business. So so yeah. hit, hit me, hit me with your questions, and I'll I'll <laughs> see if I can do a, a good job. Okay, so I, I hope <laughs> the,
0: the well. So yeah, this first one's a really interesting one. This is. And this is kind of the, the starting point for a lot of business people or managers when they first start dealing with security and IT. And that's how do they identify what is the biggest security challenge in the organization? Is it, is it people? Is it processes? Is it technology? Is technology just the biggest security risk or the biggest security challenge they have? And if they just solve that, all the security challenges go away.
1: Yeah, and that's a a great, great question. Really, really wonderful question. And I'm so glad that you asked that first. And I think the answer is sort of easy, but not easy. And the way I would say that is because the answer is, it's all, it's all three of them, right? People, process, and technology, right? They all, unfortunately, uh, are the biggest challenge in security because they all kind of intertwine with each other. But I think the one that is overlooked the most, but is potentially one of the, the biggest avenues or the biggest vectors in is the people aspect, especially at the moment. It's it's easy to see through all the statistics coming back. Ransomware is the biggest hitter in the market right now in terms of cybersecurity risk, okay? Right, We it's in the press practically every week even here in our backyard in good old New Zealand, right? And the entry vector into our organizations is, in a lot of the time, it's through, you know, a couple of methods. It's through phishing campaigns. It's through social engineering and maybe a combination of a few, right? So basically, we're looking at the weaknesses in people to sort of, well, these people are looking at exploiting people to to you know and their trusting nature. And 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 the one of the r- reasons I moved to New Zealand, you know, all these years ago was because I love New Zealand people. Kiwis are, are lovely trusting people. That is very, very easy to, to articulate, right? Yeah, uh, using that knowledge of how easy it is to exploit that trust and that that you know that nice nature of of the kiwi people it makes us a target as well so the people aspect is very important so you know i've seen so many times oh can you it's 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 the main man here it's the big boss can you go down the street get me some itunes um vouchers you know spend you know 250 just scratch them off give me my codes here's my whatsapp details all this sort of stuff and and they're getting more yeah. and more and more sophisticated right so there's those sorts of you know spear pointed the people going onto websites and just saying oh i just want some details all the way through to the 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 big sort of ransomware ones they all start at very very innocent looking attempts a lot of the not that complex not not something that you you think of and you no. go oh this is a, a really large security campaign i don't know all the details of the the recent uh, big exploits here in New Zealand, but one would imagine that the ones that we all know about that name right now, but the the ones that we all know about from 2021, most of those have all happened because, you know, somebody's opened an email, clicked on a link that they probably shouldn't have and gone oh no and that sinking feeling and then all of a sudden you know within minutes seconds potentially that's then propagated some malware on a network it might it might seem like nothing's happened it you know there might be a settling down period it then collects data across the the network moves laterally and then boom all of a sudden there's ransomware affected your primary d- domain controller and your your network is 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 owned and all your desktops are locked up and that has happened yeah uh, yeah it's it's happened across the way so there has to be so back to the, the question you know you've got you've got your people you need to train them but you need to have the appropriate processes in place to be able to actually have a method for both the prevention and also the response the appropriate response for what to do when an incident happens and and let me be very clear here it's not if an incident happens it is when an incident happens yeah. you as an organization a business of any size will become a target not because you you know you think oh i'm not a target It it's not about that it you might feel like you're not a target to you know any hacking organization you're just another another number you're just an ip address on an internet it it it's not really significant it's really about you know okay we can go after these guys and we can give them a shot and see if we get any money out of them that that's all that it is so they don't they don't think about you in terms of um much profiling i mean sometimes that's done but that's usually in the bigger bigger organizations right
0: yeah, and I look, I want to highlight this because I, I actually, I said it when I was a guest on another security podcast out of the States. If you believe your company is too small, like you're a medium, you believe yourself to be a medium or even a small size business, I will, you need to be aware that hackers are now using scripts and automation and AI to hit everybody. So if they can hit, if they can write a script and hit a thousand small businesses, they get the same amount as if they hit one enterprise size business so they are hitting yep. everybody no, nobody is immune to this because of size anymore
1: absolutely and no I, no man I, should know that more than you i guess Sean, in terms of your your ai capabilities so that's yeah that's a very well, good point
0: it's it, it's actually interesting that i mean if you, if you believe that you're not ready for ai let me assure you, the hackers that are out there that are targeting your businesses, if you have any internet presence at all, they are full on in AI. They are investing everything they possibly can because it scales what they do. Yeah. So I have a little bit of a curveball off of this question, Alistair. And and that's mm-hmm. and, and I've heard this one before. Well, can't we just put a firewall in? Or is it I, I read a magazine article over the weekend and if we just put zero trust networking into our business doesn't that just solve it and then we don't have to solve the people in process problem
1: <laughs> that is a that is a wonderful question and and yeah so right so it goes like this imagine that you you get you get some ad advert through or a sales company come through and, they, and they, they're telling you about their whiz-bang new security product or their whiz-bang new firewall or whatever it is, right, the latest and greatest, and it will solve all, their pro, all your problems, and it includes, you know, some sort of training for staff as well, maybe even all these sort of wonderful, wonderful things. Okay, that's, that's great, and it might be a really good product, and it might be, you know, an answer to, oh, goodness me, even 90%. But unfortunately, there is no one hundred percent fix all solution that in there never ever will be because the landscape adapts on a daily basis. so imagine uh, imagine yeah. this imagine imagine this scenario, right? So this firewall, let's say it's a firewall in this case, an intrusion detection intrusion uh, prevention system of some description it gets updates like an antivirus used to get updates, you know, with all the heuristics it gets updates. That gives it some form of protection, but it doesn't give the whole gamut. And imagine that that firewall is playing it's like a rugby team, right? So you're the all blacks, right? And the all blacks have been trained to play rugby, and they do really well. So the day you know the day that you, the new manager takes care of the all blacks, you know you take them over and you start. You know taking them on this journey right okay cool right we're gonna we're gonna play rugby we're gonna play good we're a good team great okay then the the rugby regulation comes along i don't know anything about rugby <laughs> you can probably tell yeah but anyway keeping to the point right rugby regulators come along and say right actually that game of rugby that we were playing we're going to incorporate the rules of football soccer and we're all going to we're going to get some new rules as well and by the way um, we're not going to tell anybody about that. We're, it's just going to adapt. You're not going to get any training on that, and we're not going to update any process on that. It's just that you're you're going to have to adapt. So all of the other teams out there have automatically. So the other teams, like you know, the Aussies and the and 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 South Africans and all the rest, they they they've all got the, these new capabilities. They understand the game, but we are sitting here and we. Don't understand the game, so all of a sudden we're having to play catch up. The problem is that that's happening on a daily basis when it comes to security, and you cannot sit there and have that machine solve all those problems for you because all of it takes all of these things. Like you said, like we were talking, is people, it's process, and it's technology. One of what just putting one of them in is an absolute surefire way to say you're going to you know, ruin that situation because the, uh, the landscape is constantly evolving, constantly thinking of new ways to evoke, you know, problems through process, problems through people, problems through the technology and a combination of all three. So if you don't, if you don't, if you don't cater for all three of them all the time, then you you're on a hiding to nothing really. And doesn't matter how much money you throw at that, that technology, you're not going to fix the problem. Hopefully that answers okay, your
0: question. Okay, so no, 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 that that actually that you've now you've now scared me that I can't just I can't just buy technology to do it. So I've been talking with my insurance agent. Can I can I just buy insurance, business insurance that'll cover the security events, and not have to spend this money on technology? Can can I essentially say, okay, I'll, I'll do some process, I'll do some people, but. You know what? I'm not going to I'm not going to invest in in updating my systems. I'm not going to invest in technology to protect me. I'm not going to look at how a zero trust network. can. Instead, I'm just going to buy some business insurance and just hope that nobody ever. Am I putting myself at a greater risk by doing that?
1: Right. So basically what you're saying to me here is that you want to buy insurance from uh, uh, an insurance type company you know mm. to solve a cyber security problem right okay yes. that's, or, huge or pro- that's protect
0: a, me uh, in the event that it's not going
1: to happen right so basically if we go back to what insurance is insurance is something that you buy and they will pay you back some dollar amount in the event of that issue happening now if if your house yeah. burns down Well, uh, so then they're going to. Well, so hold on a second. So, so hold on a second. You said it exactly right.
0: But you know, if I have a cyber security event, I'm only going to be down like a day or two. And business insurance should be able to cover that. Right. I mean, it's not like I'm going to be out for six months without my IT systems doing everything on paper for six months. If, if, you know, ransomware. Are you sure about
1: Let, let. So, so let's just talk this through. So you get your insurance. And and your house burns down, they pay they pay out, but it'll take a while. So what they'll do is they they'll send an assessor out and they'll say what sort of damage do we have here? So if we take that to the cybersecurity world, they're going to say, well, what sort of damage do you have to your business here? I've got ransomware. All my desktops are locked up. None of my staff can work because all my desktops are locked up. That's gone on to my servers as well, probably. So all my Windows servers, all the files on my Windows servers, they're all backed up. Okay. Well, what we're going to need to do then, well, we're going to need to either format all of the, the hard drives and you know just blast away all that and hope that we have backups that we can recover from or buy new PCs. So sure, the insurance company can buy new PCs, buy new servers for you, and maybe pay the labor costs for some IT company to come in and help out with all of these things. But what? meanwhile, all of that's going on, the assessment process, the recovery process that is taking valuable time away from your business and you're losing money, you're hemorrhaging money. So, you know, for, for a start, like you're, you're, you're basically the insurance company. You're saying that they are the, they are the ambulance at the bottom of the cliff. And that's, A really really dangerous place to be you want to be able to have a a triage basically a way of detection a way of constantly looking at the problem you don't want to be oh sugar we've we've got ourselves in a real bind now so you know if you're going to going to back up to recover so say you've got this all your machines are locked up ransomware you can either pay the ransom right and and hope that the ransom company will sort you out. The the ransom people that you, you're you paying, you know, they're not necessarily going to do anything. They're not necessarily going to give you the unlock codes and it, not necessarily a ransomware attack that you might have either. It could be some type of other, could be an espionage, could be, you know, trade IP, could be any sort of thing that they, uh, they you know, you become a target for. So ransomware is only one type of attack. So insurance, will not fix that but e- even taking it as a ransomware attack and taking out insurance against that you're not going to be able to recover your business in a quick amount of time so all of that time that you're offline again just remember some of the ones that are in the press recently you know again i won't name any names but they you know some of them some of the big names they i, I know because i spoke to people about it it took months not days or weeks certain systems were able to come back along online but it was you know we were talking about people's livelihoods people's you know all sorts of things here really really critical systems and really critical um really really sad stories to be honest with you stuff that you know is is swept under the rug people don't like to talk about cert new zealand they they probably only receive about 10 percent of the actual cases and the details of what actually goes on in New Zealand so really really sad so yeah really insurance is definitely not the answer you're much better putting that into protection um, s- systems processes technology training all of that sort of stuff and keeping that evolved for sure
0: okay that that, that, that kind of makes it I appreciate that you you've put that more in a business language so I I understand that you know, because I do uh, business insurance for other reasons, like a hurricane or or you know an act of God. But it it, it makes the way you're describing it makes sense. So uh, how can I get my SISO and my IT teams to start providing me kind of this risk assessment, this information that you're giving me, the way that you're giving me in the business cost and and business value language, the way how how do I get my internal teams? to give me the the communications that you're giving me now.
1: Yeah, so I think that that's, that's that's a tricky one. There's it's not an easy answer every single time. It's about having the right people in your organization, you know, the people that you hire, you want to make sure that those are people who can speak plain English and and profile the risk appropriately you know, say, well, actually, if we patch this server, it will bring it down for, you know, an evening. And the impact of bringing it down for an evening is this to the organization, but the risk of not patching it is this, you know, and and being realistic, but also delivering ways upon like improving process all the time. So using modern techniques like DevSecOps so looking at build processes and so forth, looking at containerization, all the modern modern ways of you know adapting technology. So basically saying, well, instead of taking a server down, we don't need to do that. We can just deploy a new version of our application with all the new fixes in it. And so that there's basically no outages and stuff like that. Right. So you need somebody who can understand that technology and then translate that into a way which... Again, like what we do on this podcast, we try and demystify all of the mumbo-jumbo, distill it down into something which is plain English. board can understand that, you know, a CIO can understand, a CEO, whomever, right? It's really important that these things get across in plain English and not, you know, all this technical mumbo-jumbo, because in the end of the day, it comes down to risk for an organization. And that is the most important part, right? We need to have the appropriate governance, the appropriate procedures, the appropriate training, the appropriate technology in place. And we need to balance that with what the risk profile is. So getting, getting, the, a, getting the appropriate people in your team.
0: Yeah. Yeah, well, so you've touched on, you've kind of touched on my next question. And, and that's, you know, obviously we do business risk. When I go to the bank to, to borrow a loan, I have to include the business risk associated with the loan to the bank. But, you know, when I talk with the SciZone, when I talk with the IT teams, I get the impression that they way that they measure risk and how they define what risk is, I, I, the impression I get is, is that it's wildly different. Is there is there a way that you can explain how they define risk? and And, and in fact, I got sent a spreadsheet that was supposed to be a risk analysis spreadsheet and it had a like a red amber green for risk for high medium and low and then it had this thing of impact and likelihood but it didn't define what the impact and likelihood was in other words it it didn't define what impact was between high medium and low and it didn't define what likelihood was from high medium and low can can you can you kind of define that for me a little bit in business terms so i have a better understanding
1: yeah you know when we If 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 you receive a report or a a presentation, and first of all, if there's not a definition of high, medium, and low impact, then then you need to have a conversation with the person that's provided that for you because that's that's pretty weak. But basically the the high, medium, and low impact, right? The the impact to your business, you know, if it's a high impact, that's that's going to be something that is probably going to be what you would Think of as a you know a P1, but it's a P1 against your business. So you're basically saying all business operations are stopped. Life in our business going ahead as normal? No. If we're a reasonably large sized business, this is front page news. This is a very bad day, TM. Right? And then obviously that's a scale from there down. And the likelihood obviously is that cross part of the matrix to say. Right? Okay, well, if it's high risk, and it's a high likelihood, if the two of them are high, then they're really, really, you know, it's a really dangerous situation indeed, because it's going to happen sometime very soon, high likelihood, and the highest risk, then again, it's, it's something that we really, really need to pay attention to. So anything that's not low, low and low, so low likelihood, low, low priority, if if it, you know the the mediums and above those are things that you start immediately start to need to take attention to and go right this is probably something mm-hmm. that's important the the importance uh, sorry the 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 other thing i would say is that sometimes security individuals have different beliefs of what is likely and what is what is going to happen versus everybody else like what is a high risk what is you know they they might have different opinions on what they are compared to you know the rest of the business so there is that you know we're all human beings in the end of the day we, we all have we all view things subjectively
0: Okay, that that makes sense so flowing on from that i i so i've recently had a the reason i ask about the risk is i've recently had a paper submitted to me a budgetary proposal with a very big bottom line to def- and it's for something that I've never heard of before. I have no idea what it is. It's not well described. And basically the paper was put forward saying, you know, yes, it's going to be a couple million dollars, but we need to do this because of all these high risks. And I didn't, you know, they, they seem to be technically high, but I didn't understand business high, why they were high necessarily for the business. But the way you described it makes a lot of sense. The The two items are a seam and a sock. And, and you know, i I I don't want to ask the question. I feel silly asking the question of my IT or my SISO to say, you know, could we just get a seam or a sock from one of our vendors? Do we have to build one? So can you can you kind of can you kind of walk me through what those things are and and so I have some idea of what it is they're asking me for.
1: Yeah, yeah. So CM and sock—they are two terms which are often lumped together. But I guess there are two. There's two. There two things. Right. So a SOC is a security operations center, and you know, people are often familiar with a NOC as well, which is a network operations center. And sometimes those are stuffed together as well. So basically, in its most simplistic term, you could think of that as a bunch of people sitting around screens, looking at the events coming through, and trying to resolve issues that are in this particular case security related so they're trying to hunt down security issues they're trying to raise security issues to the rest of the business and say oh well we probably need to patch this or we need to fix that up or or whatever the case may be right so it's a generally human thing it's a bunch of people doing work to make some uh, resolutions okay and actions then you have the cm which is a security security incident event manager or monitor, right? So basically that's a piece of software in most cases, which monitors you for security incidents happening on your network or security events, I should say, right? And so these are these could be anything from it will do a scan, a probe. Maybe you've got a hundred servers or a thousand servers or gazillion servers and you've also got desktops on your network and you've also got other network network devices right it will probe all of them that it has visibility of. now bearing in mind that a lot of the times depending on how good the cm is you need to put agents software agents on these network devices to allow that probing to happen sometimes these software are better than others sometimes they don't need to have agents deployed they 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 work agent less and they can actually probe network devices and say oh look at this switch here or this router or this server it's it seems to be out of date it needs to be patched it needs to be updated or there's other things like the cve list for example that says this particular piece of software that's running on this particular server needs to be up to date or I'm looking through the logs on this web server, and at the moment, um, this Russian hacker group are, you know, hitting this um, server a thousand times a minute, and you know, are trying all these passwords. Um, you might want to block that IP address and you can put things like automation in uh, rules in there as well like so if that certain thing happens you can enable uh what's called a waf which is a web application firewall for example to put automatic rules in and say oh I want to block that particular russian ip and so forth so having a soc work with the cm you have you know the, the people and the technology working together to make a you know a security solution and that's really I think if you have one of them which is well funded and works well with the business, can understand business requirements, understands the priorities of the rest of the business. So actually has open conversations, meaningful open open conversations with the business. So basically, I'll give you an example, right? Recent customer I was in, they security team were like, uh, right, you need to patch this. We need to patch this server or this application. I can't remember whether it was a server or application, but anyway, we need to bring this down and we need to bring it down for like two days to do this job. And we need to do it like next week because the priority is really high. Okay. The team say, no, you can't do that because it's a production system and people really, 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 Require that system to be online. We have an outage window which we can give you, but it's like six months from now or six weeks from now or something like that. And so the two got in this sort of argument and they really couldn't appreciate where they needed to come together and make a compromise, right? So, you know, yeah. one wasn't more right than the other. They both had the reason, both were important, but there obviously has to be some sort of level of compromise. It shouldn't be a case of one winning over the other, and I think that level of business maturity is also really important when you have a SOX in. So that's that's another element to it, the human element to it. So back to your question, those that's the definition of what they are. It the the other part of your question was about you know whether you can, I guess, take that out of your organization. In some cases, the answer is yes. yes. You can, you can. So. This, the CM software almost always is third party software. You, you generally won't build your own. There is open source like I think Wazoo is one example of a CM solution. It's open source. you can you don't have to buy it. but you know generally most most organizations will buy a piece of software. and then there is you know certainly you can outsource you can you can pay another organization, a security organization to be your SOC. And they will have their own CM software, so they'll just license that software to you to, to to do the checks. So they'll do everything. They'll manage that whole service for you. And so that kind of goes back to your insurance question. And 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 some people think that it's like, okay, well, jobs jobs good, and we've paid for that. We've de-risked the situation because we've handed it off to that organization over there. I don't feel comfortable with saying that is the the answer because it's it's really only as good as that organization that you've just handed it off to. If they really don't have a level of conscientiousness about your business, about the the values, about the priorities, about really understanding your business, then that in its own is not really gonna, that's not really, the whole solution that you need. You need one that will interact very closely with your organisation. Basically, be a glove, be part of your organisation, and 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 fit fit very well with what you what you need and understand. So, I would say that in my experience, and again, my opinion. So, you know, not <laughs> not anybody else's opinion. My opinion is that the market today is a mix. So, you know, buyer beware. You have to really get a lot of references and see, and, and find out exactly how well they actually do that human aspect of it. They're not just this company who, you know, checks for alerts, ticks a boxes, presses play, and and then kind of lets it tick over as, as, as money rolls in as a managed service. That's, that's a really dangerous place yeah. to be when it comes to security.
0: Uh, that sounds really good. So the, the last question, look, one of the things we said when we started this podcast is we weren't just going to demystify the technology for the business side. We also said we were going to help the technology side better understand how they can communicate and get better outcomes from the business. And so I, the, the last question is kind of, you know, I'm a security architect or I'm, maybe I'm a CISO and I'm going to the business and, and I can't get the business to invest in security. Um, I can't get them to take it seriously. Their entire approach to security is it, it, it's they're waiting for something to happen. And then when something happens, it's an emergency and everything else has to be dropped. And they—and then we, we spend massive amounts of money. And oftentimes we don't get the outcomes that we want. They're just knee jerk reactions. So how can I change what it is I'm doing when I talk to the business to get them to begin changing their approach and their prioritization around security.
1: Yeah, well, that's that's the million-dollar question. That's a really good question, Sean. I mean, besides I think, listening to this podcast, <laughs> I think like it, like I think we we started off this podcast by saying that security is interesting, and it's all very well you and I going, you know, us techie people or whatever, saying, "Oh, security is really actually quite interesting," but if you can engage with your senior management team and take them on this journey or you know, get them to, I'm not saying get them to watch the hacker movies, you know, like you know, war games and hackers and stuff like that. But if you, if you could get them in some way engaged and show them the the real world of you know, the dark net and show them, you know, what what an exploit looks like, you know what SQL injection actually means. If you get not not down to the the necessarily the, the the dirty part of it, but even if you can just show a Hollywood kind of version, you know there's there's a lot of reality out there in in you know in YouTube clips and stuff like that that actually will really change your opinion on what information security is all about. It's an incredibly interesting. Topic. It's incredibly the the stuff that goes on out there right now. The bug bounties, or the the hacker one stuff. I think that's great. It's really it's really good. It's really changing the 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 landscape a lot. But if you can show what is going on right now and get a level of buy in, a, a level of interest into your organization, I think from the top down, that's when you'll start to change a culture and your security posture. It's very important to do that first. And then you if you can get that next level, which is the training, so get start to let everybody in the organization learn about security and the, the do's and don'ts of security and, and keep reminding them of that, that's a really good thing. Now, I'm a huge anti-fan of these sort of training videos where you sit through for hours and go next, 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 and there's a question and the answer at the end, you know, and but for security, there's actually a few things out there right now on the market which I've seen and they you know the, the, they give you like emails that pretend to be like they're phishing emails and they pretend to be from a well known organization like say Kiwi Bank or ANZ or, or somebody that you know and trust. And they, you know, they send it out to you. And of course, it's a, you know, it's a test. It's basically to say, you know, click here and it'll open some, and then it'll tell you, look, sorry, you've clicked on a dodgy link. You should have been more careful. And if you do click on it, it'll give you a training video, but it's really very entertaining. They've got like Hollywood actors and stuff like that on these things. And I think that is really engaging. So it's taking the security into this whole realm of actually humanizing what security is, what the risks are to organization. You know, if it's not just about, you know, all my computers are offline and people can't do work for a few days or a few weeks or a few months. It's what happens to our organization's, you know, appearance. You know, on the press, you know, when the press get wind of it and they say, oh, it's terrible. Because if you think about it, you know, we had issues last year with some of our banks in New Zealand getting attacked. And, you know, the the mobile apps for serv- various banks were, were offline for a period of time. Now, I just want to point this one out because it really irked me as a security person. Because What happened was, imagine if the bank was in the street, a physical branch of a bank, and a thief came along at night, and they knew, for example, there was money in a safe or something like that. And they came along and they smashed the windows off that branch, right? A person walking by would go what the heck this is terrible and phone the cops and say that is not on that that person there attacking that bank that's a bad person that's that's a crime being committed right there now all of a sudden when it's the other way around we get this situation where these attackers who are attacking the banks same banks but they're attacking them online and causing the 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 apps to be offline because they're you know throwing massive denial of services at them and stuff like that right all of a sudden the same people who would be in the street going right i need to phone the cops this is terrible this these same people are going oh how dare this bank be offline this is a major inconvenience to me you know they should have secured their systems better well security is a really tricky thing and it's very very unfair of these individuals to be to be putting it that way so i think A shift in the mindset, a shift in the understanding of what it takes to secure your organization, and you know, in general, better understanding about security will really, really help this discourse um, go forward. So that's that's yeah, I think that's part of that. Does that answer the question? Oh yeah, no, no, I think uh,
0: yeah, I think you've I think you've nailed nailed it right on the head about how we approach the business and and about how we help them to see the value and and the business outcomes out of security, investing in security. And and maybe moving away from this, we need to tell them the sky's falling all the time and instead help educate them in the value and the true risk and true understanding of risk of of what the, the lack of investment in security is going to eventually cause in the organization.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think so, like we started yeah. out. I mean, we did see there was a lot of FUD. Yeah, um, yes. there's a lot of that yeah. skies falling and all the rest. That that that's got to stop, you know.
0: Yes. Well, it doesn't. It doesn't solve anything, right? I mean, you you if if you do nothing but FUD, it causes everybody to freeze up and not do anything. And that's not doing anything is worse than doing something that could potentially in the future be bad, because not doing anything means you stand still. And while you're standing still, all of the bad actors that are doing stuff are continuing to move forward, and they, you know, they yeah. they will find vulnerabilities. Yeah, absolutely.
1: In everything. I and I've seen that situation happen a lot. Yeah, definitely. You know, one of the organizations I worked with uh, a while ago now, uh, they had a situation where their security team would, you know, they they were very much in this sort of. I would say a fairly antiquated posture. They always sort of said the sky is falling. right, We've got to make all these checks. We've got a huge change process around all of these things. So really, they stopped progress. They stopped new technology coming in, and they also, you know, had acceptances where servers would not be patched. You know, where they really did need patched and stuff like that. So you really had the worst worst outcome for both. Eventually, yeah. what happened through through a lot of coaching in the organization, applications began to be deployed through DevSecOps, and there was a bit of education in the security team. But what happened was uh, we were able to show that through tools, the tool chain within the DevSecOps pipeline, we could actually show that all of these checks that the security team would usually ask for, that would have to normally manually be made about the release and the deployment of An application were actually automatically being made through the build pipeline and being checked off through that process and so here was a report to the security team during that and that was great because it started started to make the security team trust the people the developers um, and all of that part of the process that the business and that was great it really turned things around so from deployments that would get held up for months or years you could have them I think there was a bi- bi-weekly deployment schedule at some point. And, and that was just, just a huge transformation for that organization. Very nice. Very nice. Yeah.
0: Well, so I hope this I hope this particular podcast, because Alistair was right when he said that security is near and dear to both of us. I think it's, we, we talked about technical debt last time and the security impacts that the technical debt can be catastrophic for an organization. In fact, deciding setting a security bar so high that you can't implement something new and instead keeping something that is technical debt in that has even more security vulnerabilities is an even worse outcome the way that Alistair just described it. So I hope this podcast was uh, helpful in that that aspect to kind of give a view of security from both the business side and from the technical side so that the conversations can, because the reality is, is that the people and the processes along with the technology have to mature for an organization to be secure in what they do. As always, thank you very much for listening. Alistair, where can people find you online?
1: They can find me online on LinkedIn. I just search for Alistair Ross on LinkedIn and Servian. They can also find me on YouTube. I've got my own little YouTube channel. This is called Al's Geek Lab. It's just very geeky. It's nothing related to anything I do here. And You can also get me on Twitter, AJ Ross, NZ. What about yourself? I am on, I think,
0: all the social medias. Look for Sean G. Muller, S E A N G M U L L E R. Or you can hit me directly at Sean. at servian.com. I hope uh, everybody has a good week
1: and uh, listen for our next podcast. Thank you so much. Cheers, Sean. And thanks very much, everyone, for listening in. And we'll see you soon. Cheers.